0: Good morning, everyone. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> I, I looked Joel dead in the eyes and said, I, I'm not a crier. Um, so I think something flew in my eye up here. Um, you know, isn't church family wonderful? <laughs> you know, if you're new with us, I, I feel like you just got a glimpse of the real thing. You just got a glimpse of we worshiped the Lord together. There was, you know, new sixth graders. We did high school graduations. We are sending off the Prizios and the Grangers with honor. And I, I just think that's such a glimpse of what church is all about. That's what it's all about. It really is. You know, I had a lot of these things in mind, but I, I wanted to tell you one thing because, you know what, when, when you learn... Um, the fundamentals of preaching, you always want to set the mood, right? And so I was up here and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to see Chris for a while and so I just want to get one more dig in on him. And I told him, you know, the Dodgers, I, this is my quote, I said, the Dodgers are subpar." that's what I said. And he said, yeah, but the Giants suck. That's what he said. <laughs> so... love you guys. Uh, we will follow you from afar, and, and I know for certain that we're going to visit with you guys in, in the future. I know that you'll visit, and, and hopefully, once you settle in, you'll invite us to visit uh, with you. So uh, I've been praying that you would find a, a wonderful church family, one, one quickly, one that you would have uh, just an immediate impact on. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in uh, the book of Exodus. We've been in it for 30 uh, something weeks. How many of you can believe that? Now, if you're looking at your, your time, I, I just want to be honest with you. Sometimes people's minds wander. We're all different. I have uh, prepared kind of a, a condensed version that I think is extremely important and extremely timely for us this morning. We're going to be in the uh, book of Exodus, chapter 31. And I just want to set the stage for you before we jump right into 31, because it's important to know where we came from. The context of the Bible is essential. You know, I, I've been doing this study on Wednesdays where we, we go Matthew verse by verse. And I've been realizing as I know know the whole story, these little chunks of scripture start to come alive in a way that I've, I've never seen. And so let's talk really briefly about where we've been at in Exodus. I grew up my whole life, my Christian life, and if somebody said, what's Exodus all about? I always thought, Pharaoh, 10 plagues, manna, water from the rock, then the promised land. Anybody sort of with me on that? It turns out that we've been in 20 plus chapters of stuff that isn't that. And we've been saying over and over and over that the beginning of Exodus is God's call through Moses to bring his people out of Egypt. And then the next 30 chapters are all about how hard it is to get Egypt out of people. Because when people accept the the mindset and the mentality and the culture of, uh, of captivity, it's hard to get that out of them. Would you agree? And so for the last five chapters, from chapter 25 to 30, this culmination of all of these things has finally happened, and it happens on top of Mount Sinai. Moses finally gets his face-to-face, uninterrupted FaceTime with God. And God starts downloading all these instructions and details. Have you guys enjoyed it? You guys, uh, you know, we've learned a lot, but I've never thought, hmm, I really want to get a a hammered bronze basin to wash my hands in. You know, there's so many details and intricacies, and and it kind of seems like it goes on and on, and we've been doing our best to to point out the significance of all of this stuff. And as I've been taking notes, I I wrote down a question a few weeks ago, and and I feel like this morning is the answer to the question. The question is, God has all this stuff to do? Who's going to do it? You know what I'm talking about. You ever been in a position where it's like, we need to do X, Y, and Z. We have this huge laundry list of stuff, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you're like, oh, you're expecting me to do all of that. Have you ever had that before? Now, if you're following, you know that Moses is probably advanced in age. He is probably in his 80s or 90s at this point. And so when God says, we're going to build an entire structure, we're going to do metals, and we're going to make all these beautiful things, it's probably not Moses, And so this morning, we're going to meet some people that become main characters in the story of God. And so if you would, we're going to be in Exodus 31, starting at verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, the ability and intelligence with knowledge and craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahunahneh, of the tribe of Dan. You guys try it. For real, turn to your neighbor. You, you try. Try, I'm serious. Yeah, it'll it'll help develop empathy of the tribe of Dan. And I have given uh, to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. So everything God has been commanding for the last five or six chapters, every bronze basin, every tent peg, every altar, every little thing. Now this is what God says, Moses... I have called you, you are a visionary personality, you are a visionary type leader. How many of you know that sometimes the visionary leader is not the execution leader? Do you know what I'm talking about? That oftentimes it's people who work behind the scenes, who you don't even know who did it, somebody has a big vision, and these people who are very successful are often very good at figuring out who needs to be in, in what position. And God says, Moses, I know way better than you because I've called somebody. And it's no coincidence that the person God calls is, for the lack of a better word, it's somebody totally out of left field. He's never been referenced before. We've never heard of him. But God knows him. And if you're taking notes, I I was thinking about this this morning. It says in verse 2, See, I have called a man named Bezalel. He's the son of Uri, the son of Hur from the tribe of Judah. There's a, a scripture, it's a, a beautiful scripture. It says that God knew you, that God knit you together in your your mother's womb. He already had all your days lined up for you. You guys know this scripture. God knew Bezalel, not because he looked down and said, ah, oh, that would be a good candidate. He knows him because he's been planning this long before. He knew his father. He knew his grandfather. He set all of these things in motion. And at this point, In God's history and the unfolding story of God, it is time for Bezalel to step to the plate. So let's talk about this guy briefly. I uh, originally wrote in my outline that this is like the ultimate Renaissance man, and then I realized the Renaissance happened 1,500 years after this guy. So this guy is the pre Renaissance Renaissance man. (laughs) And here's what he does he is uh, intelligent, he's able, it says he's full of all knowledge and all craftsmanship, he's good at art. He devises beautiful artistic designs. He knows how to work in gold, silver, and bronze. He knows how to cut stones for setting. He knows how to build things. He's a carpenter. He knows how to carve wood. And then just in case we didn't catch the drift, it says he's good at every single craft. How many of you know somebody who's good at everything? None of you? Anybody know people who are like, man, that guy's just smart and he's just good at everything? I know somebody. I'm not going to call this person by name, but I like you half like admire that person and you half hate them a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's like a jealousy thing in you. Like, how can one person be so good at everything? This is Bezalel. And this is what I want to tell you about Bezalel. If we could, we could put um, verse three on the screen. It says this. says i have filled him with the spirit of god with ability and intelligence with knowledge and knowledge and craftsmanship you see god has this huge plan for his people this whole section of exodus is that god wants to dwell among the people he like wants to buy real estate in the neighborhood and these last few chapters has, have been God laying the groundwork for what is going to be required if God is going to move in next door and be with them. Like, not just figuratively, not just spiritually, but like physically, He's going to have a structure where He dwells. And when God calls for such a huge project, He also provides the right people. And I want to point something out that should be obvious. These people, they are not priests. They're not prophets, they're not kings, they're not pastors, they're not rabbis, they're not worship leaders, they're not evangelists. They are artists, they are craftsmen, and they are carpenters. I I made a slide, uh, we'll get to it in a second. But I was thinking about this, this is the ministry of the arts. You, you see that? This is the Spirit of God coming upon Bezalel in a way that says, you already have experience. I'd be willing to bet that he's been doing this a long time if he's that good at it. He has this passion and this desire. He excels in all things. And the Spirit of the Lord says at this pivotal moment in time, you are the person to lead this project. If you've ever felt in a way that what you do is not spiritual... Or that you don't have a ministry. You're not called into the ministry. I want to tell you that God calls all people into the ministry. In fact, I made a slide. Um, Five times God has reminded Moses of what he has done. This is a work of God. If we could put that slide on the screen. Starting in verse 2, this is what God says. He says, I'm the one who calls. I'm the one who fills with the Spirit. I'm the one who appoints. I'm the one who gave you all the resources. Do you guys remember back in like chapter 24 or 25, God makes this proclamation? If anybody wants to give to the project, they can just start bringing the resources. Do you remember that? He says, I'll stir their hearts and then just give them an invitation. He's already provided and given every material they're going to need. And he says, I've commanded. I've laid out all the groundwork. I've given you all the details. I've given you the blueprints. And now it is Bezalel's turn to take the reins and drive the project. I was thinking about this just this weekend, and I was thinking, I was thinking about you, Don. You worked for an art, as an architect for a long time, didn't you? And, and I had the privilege of sitting up here on this stage and um, recording an episode of a podcast that we do with Don. Did any of you happen to watch it? Yeah. And I was thinking back about our conversation, and I, I was thinking about something you, you had said. It's something to the effect of this place that we're sitting in you felt like couldn't have come at a more perfect time for you. It was the culmination of all your experiences, of all the projects you had ever done all in one place. The time in your life was perfect and you said it wasn't just that you felt like I could I could do that. You felt like it was a call of God on your life to build this. Would you take a moment and just look around? Is this a beautiful place to call home? Yes. Yes. It is because somebody said yes, not to a project, they said yes to a ministry opportunity that brought everything that God already equipped them with, gave them passion, gave them decades of experience to, and it all came together in one moment. And this, in many ways, is God and Don Granger's lasting gift to us. Isn't that amazing? Yes. to tell you one more story just so you you understood that I'm not just talking about this is just for people who work with their hands. Uh, I want to say it was around Thanksgiving of 2019 and uh, it was right about that time that for the first time in, in at this church for me, uh, Pastor Danny invited me to begin attending church board meetings. And it was at one of those meetings that I heard for the first time that somebody said, hey, you know what? I feel like God is putting my experience and my expertise into action, and I I feel this longing of God to update our technology. You know, we got this building, and I I think that it's wise for us to move into a new generation with some fresh technology, and people said, well, what did you have in mind? Maybe some new audio equipment, and and definitely some cameras, and cameras that are capable of streaming our worship services. And you know, people discussed this, and they budgeted for it, and we went ahead and did it. And I think that happened right around Christmas of 2019 and it took us a couple months to kind of work out the kinks and iron out some of the details and we began streaming on YouTube. Have you ever watched on YouTube? Do you enjoy watching on YouTube? I don't know if you know but in March of 2020 something happened in this world. (laughs) And for I think 14 weeks we had no services, we were just closed and do you know what happened? Because of what John Bush felt like God put on his heart, this is what happened. We pushed a button, turned the cameras on, pushed connect, and it streamed online. Do you know what it would have been like if if God did not whisper that to somebody who knew everything there was to know about cameras? Joanna knowing everything there was to know about sound. This is what happens when we walk in the calling of God in the expertise that he gives us. We say, I'm going to submit myself for years to be good at something. And then we say, if you ever want to use those gifts, God, we're open to it. And we all experience that blessing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 So before we move on in the scripture, I, I just want to leave you with a, a couple takeaways. I actually made some slides because I was, I was thinking about this. And I've heard these kind of phrases before. I've heard people say, you know what, I, I go to work, but I don't really do anything spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right? I've heard things like, oh man, you must have a long week because you work in the ministry. Have you heard these phrases before? Or you hear people say, you know what, I'm really considering getting into the ministry. I want to tell you, this is the first takeaway if if you're taking notes. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not in the ministry. That doesn't exist. That is not a thing. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not in the ministry, and here's why. Because God created you in your mother's womb. He gave you passions and interests. He gave you opportunities to invest in your your passions and your interests. You've built skills and relationships. And when you follow God, God wants to use those things, not to do something cool or to do a project. He wants to use those things for ministry opportunities to point people to him, to bring him glory. It doesn't matter if you're a contractor or an architect. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a preacher. It doesn't matter if you're an auto mechanic. It doesn't matter if you answer the phone or you help people check out at the grocery store. Every little thing, every occupation, every passion, every interest, when given over to God, can be used in a way that brings God glory. The second thing I wanted to leave you with this morning in this chunk of the scripture is this. If it isn't clear by now... When God calls people somewhere, he always provides. He provides everything necessary where God calls. When God calls, sometimes the provision seems like maybe it's not the timing you you would wish it would be, but where God calls, he always provides everything you need. For Bezalel, I'd be willing to guess that he's been working in the crafts for decades. He already has the passion and the energy. He has the desire of his heart. He's good at these things. And God calls him into this project. How many of you would say the project God is calling him into is a huge project? Hey, I want to dwell among my people on earth. Do you want to be in charge of the project? This is a big project. But where God calls, he provides everything necessary. He already recruited all the resources. In my experience, I think it may have been Danny who kind of coined this phrase for me, but it's this feeling of this is naturally supernatural. It's so clear that God's fingerprints are on it, but it doesn't seem weird. It just seems like the next step and where God has taken me. So often when I chat with people who I feel like have made a huge impact for the kingdom, they look back and think, hmm, yeah, yeah, there was, there was a time where I kind of stepped out into that, but it felt natural, It felt like I was just walking the path that God had for me, and I was saying yes to him. The verses uh, that come next, 7 through 11, I'm not going to read them for you. It's just a reminder, I think, for Moses... To remember how big this project is, I'll just go quick for you. He says these guys are going to build a tent of meeting. They're going to build an ark, a mercy seat, furnishings, a tent, table, all the utensils. They're going to build lamps and lampstands. They're going to build the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings. They're going to make a basin. They're going to do finely worked garments. They're going to weave and decorate all the holy garments for the priests. And they're going to make the anointing oil and all the fragrant incense for the holy place according to everything that God commanded them. I was reading this week of um, an artist that teaches at a, a seminary called Fuller Theological Seminary. He, he's the head of a, a department that's pretty cool. It's, it's a department that says, let's bring people that are skilled in the arts into a conversation about theology. How can their art be used to point people towards God? And this is what he wrote. I, I have a slide for it. He said, effective stewardship of God's creation generates new culture. Well, what does that mean? We turn wheat into bread and bread into community. Isn't that cool? We're the people who turn grapes into wine and wine into occasions for joyful camaraderie, conversation, and creativity. If you don't drink, just hash that part out. We turn minerals into paint and paints into works that lift the heart and stir the spirit. We turn ideas and experience into imaginative spaces for enjoyment, connection, and laughter, and we expand our scope of empathy along the way. What he's saying is God has given us all these resources. What we do is we gather up the resources that he's given us and we say, how can I use these in the ways that he's gifted me? Not to bring glory to myself, but maybe to open my home for somebody who's struggling because God gave me the gift of hospitality. For him, he's a visual artist. It's how can I take the minerals and the things and he makes his own paints out of precious metals and stones. How can I take these and make them into a resource that I can paint these beautiful pictures that make people think deeply and then I can engage them about what God is doing in their life. It's a really beautiful thing to be thinking about. I want to move to the, the next section where we're going to end this morning. Now I've got to tell you I've been reading Exodus verse by verse like we've been learning it. And when I came to this chunk, verses 12 through 18, the first thing I thought is, why is this here? You ever felt that way in the Bible? Let me tell you what I mean. Moses has taken the people out of Egypt. you remember that part? Yeah. Remember they crossed the Red Sea? Pretty amazing. They go out in the wilderness. God provides for them. Uh, they complain a little bit, but he still does it, right? Quail and manna, water from the rock, all of these things. And finally, like the, the thing that they've been waiting for is for Moses to go up on this mountain and speak to God. And he finally gets up there. And he's up there, and God begins giving him all of these directions and details and saying, here's the project, here's the blueprints, you're going to do it. Here are the people, here are the resources. Are you excited? Are you excited? And then he says, but one last thing I need to tell you before you go down. Verse 12, and the Lord said to Moses, these are his parting words to Moses after all of that. You are to speak to the people of Israel and remind them, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout all your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. You ready for this? Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed does that seem like we just missed a gear and hit, the, or hit a uh, speed bump going too fast anybody else feel that way and so I had this thing I just wrote in my bible why is this here is, is God raining on the parade is he being a downer what's, the, what's going on here so I started to think and pray about it I, I went for a jog this morning and I was thinking about why is this here exactly and it dawned on me That when all the momentum is going in one direction and there's this this urgency and there's a plan in place, how many of you have a temptation to say, you know what, I will sacrifice the things I I know I should probably do to get her done? Anybody? I think this is here because there's a great temptation in this moment and God knows the temptation. The temptation is we are going to work night and day. We are going to grind people into the ground. Why? Because we could justify that this is a worthy project. So I was thinking, what are the, the temptations maybe in our world or maybe in my own life to just work yourself to the ground? And, and I actually made a list because I, I thought of three. If we could put that up, Dean. The first is uh, that when you feel like the task is bigger than yourself... You ever been in a, an experience like this? Maybe you feel like you're, there's teamwork and maybe there's peer pressure. We're all in this together. This is bigger than me. I, I got to go, 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 go. You ever been in that situation? I got to believe in this moment. Bezalel is about to be told. Moses is going to come down the mountain and say, hey, God name-dropped you. Out of all the people in the entire land or in all the Israelites, he knew, called you by name and you're the guy. How many of you would feel pressure if God called you by name and was like, you're in charge of the biggest project yet? You feeling, you feeling this? You feeling like this is bigger than yourself. I have a duty to, to get it done and get it done well. I'm going to work, work, work. The second one is this, is that sometimes we feel this sense of urgency, like we've got to get this done sooner than later. We've got to get it done. If you were the Israelites, you probably feel in some ways like you're just sitting ducks in the desert. Like people are coming for you. This is how the ancient world works. The faster we can get this place built and the faster we can confirm that the presence of God dwells in us, the more secure we're going to feel. Let's get her done. Anybody ever felt like that before? The third thing I thought of is, is my favorite excuse for overworking. It's that it doesn't feel like work because it's so much fun. I'm, I'm serious. Ezalel is about to be called into something that's majestic and huge, and he gets to do the stuff that he loves. And I think what God is saying, the reason this is the last thing he says before Moses goes down the mountain is because there's going to be a temptation for people to forget who they are and what they're called to do. They are going to revert back to how did the Egyptians get stuff done? Do you remember how the Egyptians get stuff done? If it's not done at the speed and the pace that they want it done, what do they do? They turn whole people groups into slaves to get it done. That's what they do. And I think God knows these are the patterns that repeat themselves when you swallow the culture of captivity. And so this is what God says. He says, you will be shaped by my timing, my rhythm for your life. There's going to be a refusal to be marked by any expectations of the outside world. You will rest. And what do Jews do on the Sabbath? They call to mind the stories of God. They re- recite the stories of God. They spend time with their families. They, they re- remind each other of all that they have to be grateful for. They remember. They connect. They rest. They refresh. They prepare for the week to come I think ultimately what God is saying is this it won't matter how beautiful and wonderful the building that you build is if you haven't made time to remember all that I've done and all I've brought you through to even get to this point point. and so he tells them you will not move forward on any timing except mine I feel like God is in a unique position to command this because he's the author of time you know so he's sort of like, you're going to do it on this time, and I'm, I'm the author and perfecter of time. Uh, if you want to take notes and you're looking for a, a takeaway, I, I was thinking about a, a question, and it's not just about Sabbath, but it applies to Sabbath. It's this question of what type of person, what type of person do we become when we follow this? Like, what are people like when they do this for a long time? Do you know what I mean? And I was thinking about it specifically about Sabbath. What kind of people are these people going to be when they enter into the promised land and they're going to be marked by the time and the rhythm of Sabbath. So I just did a little brainstorm. This is what I thought of. It turns people into unhurried people. Anybody ever been around somebody who's just unhurried? They just have time for you. These are going to be people who are prepared They've had time to take a deep breath. They know that that Sabbath day is coming and they also know that they're gonna use it just to mentally refresh and prepare their bodies and their minds and their spirits for the next week. These are people who are grateful because they literally have time set aside to recall all that God has done for them. These are people who are rooted. They know who directs their steps. It's not themselves, it's God. And these are people who are built on the foundation of God, not on their own hard work or their own understanding of how these things work. The scripture ends this morning and it says this, he gave, uh, And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking to him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. These are the uh, Ten Commandment stones. We've learned all about them. I think this is uh, one of those kind of, anybody in here watch Netflix, you just want to confess right here, right now? <laughs> Has Netflix not perfected that little thing where they end an episode and it's like the episode's not over, I got to keep watching, we call that binging? You guys know, they know how to do that? It doesn't matter, it's like the stupidest show, I have no in- interest in it at all. Actually, I will, well, I got to watch more. That's how good they are at this. <laughs> the Bible did this before Netflix did it. Because if you're thinking this is the final conversation between God and Moses, now Moses is going to go down and he's going to finally talk to the people. They've been looking up at this for 40 days, and if we're just following the story and we don't know what happens next, we're thinking, I wonder what they've been doing for 40 days. i got to tell you, here's the spoiler, it's not good, and Pastor Danny's going to tell you all about it next week. (laughs) Would you stand with me and, and we'll pray together? God thank you that no matter where we're at in life that you have called us you've given us gifts and passions you've given us as as our middle schoolers said today you've given us quirks you've given us personalities and things that we gravitate towards so God I just ask simply would you help us to transform our thinking Will we start to look at some of those and think God how could you use My skills and my talents and my interests, how could you use those things for your glory? God, would you give me opportunities to develop those things, to walk in the calling that you have for me? Would you help me to begin to see all that I am as a ministry in and of itself? Would you give us opportunities this week, Lord, to to put these things into action? Would we be in conversations at work? Would we answer the phone in a way that's reflective of a disciple of Jesus? Would we treat people with dignity and respect? Would we be the full versions of ourselves that people would say, how can you feel so free to be yourself and we could point people to you? Would you give us opportunity to to work with our hands, our our words, all of the things that we can do to make the the places around us beautiful? Would you help us to accommodate people to welcome people to be hospitable so God we give you our week we thank you so much for what you're doing in this church we thank you for every youngster every high school grad on their way to a, a new season of life we thank you for the the Prizios and the Grangers today thank you that so much of what we're just doing as part of our normal rhythm is because of their faithfulness We ask that you would go before them. You would give them traveling mercies as they settle into a new home. I pray that you would put like-minded individuals, that there would be fast friends, the type that are, I can't believe we just met, we feel like we're we're long-lost friends. I pray that over them. I pray over our church body that we would live into some of the witness that they have already provided for us. And we love you. We give you our week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, awesome.